0: the first thing I do when I get up is I have some cantations that I say, and then I use my sweet grass. Sweet grass we call hairs of Mother Earth. Everything, again, goes back and connects to our mother, because that's where we came from. I pray and I'm thankful for another day. That's a gift.
1: This is In Good Faith, listening to first-person experiences of faith and belief. On In Good Faith, it's our privilege to hear stories and accounts from believers told in their own words. Our hope is to listen with an open heart, celebrating the power of faith and belief, and what those stories mean to the ones who tell them. I'm speaking In Good Faith today with Larry Sespuch, a member of one of the bands of the Ute tribe. Correct. He grew up on the Uintun-Ore Ute Reservation in northeastern Utah. Larry served in the U.S. Navy as a radio man in Vietnam, Hawaii, and Texas, attended the Institute of American Indian Arts and Anthropology Film Center for his degrees, returned home in 79 to his tribe to create 600 films for the Ute Indian tribe on culture, language, and history. You are the guy for preserving the culture.
0: Yeah, one of the projects I have going right now is called YouTube. Not YouTube, but (laughs) YouTube.xyz. And so all of those films, eventually there's like 250 that pertain especially to the culture, will be on YouTube and our whole photo archive. And so that's an ongoing project. And so once I'm gone, those films will be there, and the next generation will take over and add on whatever they are going to add on. So it's going to be a multimedia project. Web page. Eventually, the plan is to put our tribal newspaper. It's called the Ute Bulletin. Put that on the website as well. It will be all and everything.
1: Take me back to the beginning of your spiritual tradition and what religious or spiritual ideas you were raised
0: with. Well, our people say that our medicine people, it's in our blood My family, my Kutch family, even though my name is Sesbuch, my mom and dad got divorced when I was about three. And so I was raised by my mother's family, which are Kutches. And Kutch means no, and Sesbuch means white belly. My uh, great-grandpa had a big white birthmark on his tummy, so that was his Indian name, his Ute name, Sespuch. Of course, that name has been passed down generation after generation. My parents were um, Catholic, and they baptized me as Catholic. But one of the things that uh, would always happen to me when I would go to church was I would faint, and my family would take me outside, and of course I stay out there the rest of the Mass. When I started this Red Road, uh, which is our Indian way we say that we're on a sacred path, spirits told me that that was them who were touching me. That way I would get taken outside because that wasn't for me. Hmm. But I had always known I was my grandmother's favorite. But I'd always known there were different things about me I could see and feel and hear. So kind of jumping forward, um, we have an eagle wing within our Kutch family. My uncle, who was my predecessor, had special gifts, too, that he helped the family with. And so when he passed, my grandmother asked if I would take that wing. So I knew of the responsibility. And so, yes, I went ahead and took that. And so that's what I carry now. Had he
1: been teaching you along the way?
0: Well, when my mom and dad split up, he was pretty much my mentor. He took me under his wing. He was a dancer, and so he taught me how to dance, made my outfits, and so I was like a little duckling following him (laughs) when we'd go dance. So I have some pictures of that same thing on my webpage, and that's through net. So he... Taught me how to sing and taught me about the drum, how to dance, and and I guess in a way, you know, he was kind of my mentor in those days, and I never realized that that's what I was being groomed for. Yeah, and so my grandmother had always. Um, treated me special and I felt bad about that because my cousins and such I knew they got a little jealous because she would give me special things during Christmas and such and I'd say you know thank you grandma but how about the rest of them you know and but that was grandma. She she knew
1: that there was something for you. Mm
0: -hmm. Native American spiritual traditions
1: across what is now the U.S. Are they all closely related or are they
0: completely separate? No, they're pretty much all the same. It's just the different ways of thinking about it. But it all stems from the same, which is we all have a spirit. All things have a spirit. All living things have a spirit. Some people believe that when the creator, Senoi, decides to make life or create life, takes Mother Earth and water and combines these And our bodies are 85% water, and so we should be like water. Nothing can stop it, nothing can hold it. You either go around, go under, or over. That's the way we should live our lives, to be able to accomplish what we're here for. And each one of us is here for a reason. So like the animal has his purpose, the tree has its purpose, we have our purpose. And so those are our missions. And so we're given gifts to be able to accomplish that mission. So for like me, of course, a spiritual thing, and then to preserve the culture. I didn't realize back in grade school I used to have one of those little point and shoot cameras. And I got a bunch of pictures from elementary school, and I did a film oh, a couple of years ago about our elementary school. I use those old photos. But even then I didn't know that that's what I would be going into. So I grew up on a reservation. I ended up in Vietnam. I registered for the draft because you had to at 19. My number was called up and I was going with a um, white girl at the time. And back in the 60s that wasn't so popular. (laughs) And so her dad didn't especially like me So anyway, he helped with the sheriff to get me in the military a little early. (laughs) Back in those days, see, we didn't have jurisdiction over ourselves. Mm. So you had sheriffs and other law enforcement out there who, in a sense, kind of controlled us. And now we have sovereignty, and we realize our sovereignty, and so we have our own tribal courts, our own police force, and we have our own law and order code. So none of that can happen nowadays. That's how I found myself in Vietnam. I tried to get into the reserves and tried to get into the Air Force, and all of those were all booked up. But the Navy said, we'll take you. And I had a brother already in country in Vietnam. He was a foot soldier. He said, you don't want to be this. You don't want to be here on the ground. So as it worked out, I was a radioman. and I ended up with an air squadron, and we flew over everything. Hmm. That's what I did. People say that there are no atheists in foxholes. Yes, that's true. You're there together, and the only way you're going to get out is with each other. How did those spiritual beliefs that you had carry you through
1: or strengthen you during that time of the war?
0: Well, at that time, you know, you're just coming off the Rez uh, reservation. We call it the Rez. And so you really have no understanding outside of growing up and coming to Salt Lake and traveling. And so you have some idea there. But when you're thrown into a situation like war, you've got all this coming at you and you have to grow up quickly. Mm. So I'm the last one standing of three radiomen that went through radioman school, were sent to the same squadron. They're gone. I'm the only one here to tell a story. But we, of course, we got close because humans are humans. It makes no difference which color skin or what you believe. That reminds me of how I look at the flag. The flag is red and white. It was our land to begin with, so we are the red. And the white stripes are also the non-Indians, and we both work in union. The blue of the flag is the land, the motherland, United States. And the white stars are those that gave up their lives to preserve this way of life, as we call Americans. And so I look at it that way. And so when you are in a foxhole or something in that situation, you have to look at it that way. The only way we're going to get through this thing is together. As I got in country and, and realized that the only way I'm going to make it through here... Was to get back to those things that my people had and that made us special. You can say our lives are tailored. We're meant to, I look at it like stepping stones in a river. And a river, of course, is life. And so there are certain stones that we're meant to step on going through, and we either learn lessons from it or it takes us to the next point. So the military and having to go through all of that was one of those stepping stones to point me back to what I really am, which is nuch yut. Those things that my family were doing were what were going to get me through this. Natives, we believe that creator is in everything. Uh, We're made of earth and water, so we say all our relations because we are all made of the same substance. And the last thing the creator, Sanoib, does is gives us that spirit, it's energy. When I talk to young people, I say, it's like a little AAA a battery, and you insert it in a toy and it comes to life. And the spirit itself, they've done tests where you weigh a person before they pass and after, and it's about the weight of that little AAA battery. I tell him that it's like a glove. The glove is nothing until you put the hand in it and you can make it do anything. Spirit is the same way. The spirit is the thing that makes the tree grow, of course, with the sun and everything else. But it's the life force energy that makes it grow. And, of course, with the sun and water. And we humans are no different. All of the plants, all of the animals are the same all living things are are the same, we all have a spirit. And so when you talk to it that way, it's uh, sort of like nowadays we have to take medicine, pills usually, but you talk to those pills before you take them just like you would our Indian medicines. What can help me? And then you take them and it does whatever it's supposed to do, same way with our Indian medicines, you take those and ask it to help you just the same way as if you were out there gathering it and you talk to it, and you always leave some tobacco before you take anything because that tobacco is spirit food. Of course, it goes into Mother Earth, so it's not something that's um, polluting anything, Um, and spirits recognize it. The spirit of those plants recognize that They're sacrificing their lives to help us. We, in turn, have to take care of them to make sure there's always some. That's the way it will always be there. And that's the way I think most natives look at things. For us youths, you hear the word nomad. To me, that's not right, because when you think of nomad, it sounds like you don't have a home. Yeah. But we moved different places during different seasons depending on what was ripe, what was in season. And so we didn't stay too long to overgraze or overdo anything and so just because we didn't stay in one place like modern people do they say we had no home but we did. Ute country is pretty much Colorado and Utah Uh, when the Spaniards came in the 1600s they came riding a big beast that we didn't know what that was we'd never seen it before but it was the horse, the Mustang and we called it the same thing that they did, cuva or kubachu, the chu for us is plural, and so kubachu is horses. And so we got that horse from them, and because we were a little darker than most tribes, they called us Utah, Y-U-T-A-H. And when it came time for the state to be named, they dropped the Y. And, of course, it was named Deseret, proposed to begin with. And the rest of the nation and the people decided, no, we don't want that. And so they came up with Utah, and they dropped the Y, and so today it's U-T-A-H. And so it's named after our people. The name of the tribe, you said, was Noot. Nooch, yeah. We call ourselves Noochu. Is there a meaning to that word? I think it's pretty much basic, like any tribe. It's the people. The people. hmm And so Nuch is singular, and Nuchu is plural. For people in the
1: monotheistic religions, for Christianity, Judaism, Islam, they're thinking of a god. What is the viewpoint of the divine or spiritual? You mentioned
0: the creator, right. Sunuov. Mm-hmm. Is that being alone, or are there others? There are others. It just kind of depends on how your relationship is. The weep is another way. And you're talking about the earth. The weep is the, the earth. The weep is more like the maker of the earth. Then, like for me personally, I call him the Gurchidam, which means grandfather, hmm. because I had a dream uh, we have our sun dances. Well, all of our ceremonies um, uh, require sacrifice. So in the Sundance, you sacrifice food and water for three or four days. And you stay within the medicine lodge, which is the Sundance lodge. And you dance back and forth to the tree of life. That's a cottonwood tree. It's the one with the store in the middle. Hmm. But that represents the maker, the creator sometimes it will come in the form of a buffalo so we have a buffalo mount head in there and we dance and that buffalo will come to life Where you his eyes will move and he'll look at you and communicate with you and we al- also have an eagle in there and so the creator comes in both those forms sometime to the dancers again like in in that sun dance he comes in those two forms creator is not only a male but he's come to me as a grandpa. So I had a dream about the Sundance, and when we come out of the Sundance as dancers, we come out to the chief's stall. But in this dream, all of the dancers were lined up in front of the chief's stall. And there was this man up there, and everybody was in twos, in pairs, but I was at the tail end, I was by myself. And so I'm looking to try to see who all of these dancers are going to see. And as I got up there, there was this old man, he had white long braids, he was in white buckskin, and he called me grandson. And I didn't know my grandfathers. My Kutch grandfather passed away uh, a year before I was born. I have a twin, Forrest Kutch, and we're a half hour apart in birth. The family has always said that we have received some of his gifts and one of them was singing that he did, and that's what I do. Hmm. He was pretty much a diplomat, and Forrest was um, the state director of Indian Affairs, so he does some of those kind of things. So we both have special gifts we received that the old man had. And my Sespooch grandpa, he um, had passed, because I grew up with my Kutch family, I didn't know my Sespooch family too well. And so when he passed, I really didn't know him. So to have this old man in this dream with white braids and white buckskin call me grandson, it touched me. It was something that I didn't have. And so to think of this old man, Grandpa, that I can talk to him, I can cry to him, um, makes it real personal. And so when I pray, I think of that old man. I think Mm. of Grandpa. Grandpa. And that way, it's a personal connection. So when I say it's different for all of us, and it really depends on what we're brought up thinking or what we experience in life, that's what it is. For me, he's uh, his grandpa, Dalgurt Do you feel like that's a gift for you that you have received messages and direction in dreams? Yes, yes, in dreams. And a lot of, I say spirits tell me, But they tell me more like thoughts. I've learned to understand mine from theirs. Mine are usually selfish. (laughs) But theirs, you can just tell a difference. And they don't go away. It's like, you should do that. And I won't pay attention. And I'll keep going on. And hey, you should do that. Till it gets to the point, you should do that. And I understand then I should do that. And I do it. And when I do, things just fall right in place. So I'm asked to do a lot of—lately I was asked to open up for the uh, United Nations conference that was held in Salt Lake here a couple of weeks ago, and for the Democratic Party and a number of big events like that where people are brought together. In a way, I kind of question, well, why me? But I was told way back when by my mentors that when you're asked to do something in this medicine way, you do it. You don't say no, because it's not you. It's who you represent. And so I am a servant. Hmm. When I'm asked to do something, then I do. And of course, I ask them, to me, I always call him the big guy, but it's also the big girl, if you think that way. And it's also an animal, just like a buffalo and eagle. So it's all of those things. Can you follow youth spiritual traditions and
1: also be a member of some other church or organization or do they stay separate
0: well for me and our people believe that um, we have many lives a lot of times we'll find a white guy in amongst a bunch of indians but to me i kind of think that their previous life was as a an indian because they still feel a kinship to that and they can sing some of them can even speak the language and and I travel quite a bit, so I see a lot of different people. And, and I see that and I go, wow, that's, that's so cool. I think everybody understands that this is our Mother Earth. And again, mother is the key word. You don't punch holes in our mother. But we out there, we have no other means to survive but the oil, and so we have to punch holes in our mother. And it's too bad, but that's the way we have to exist for money. Back when Brigham Young sent out his surveyors when he first came here to Utah, the ones that returned from there said, oh, that's only good for holding the earth together and coyotes. But when they asked Abraham Lincoln to establish a reservation, that's where they put us. But they didn't know about the oil under the ground and about the mountains that are the main source of Utah's water. We still have first right to the water. And, of course, a lot of the oil that people exist on for taxes here in the state, those come from the reservation and from the UNA Basin. They call it dinosaur land, but it's those dinosaurs that went to make all that oil under all of that pressure of the earth and created that oil. There are
1: things that just over time and from a little bit of reading, I associate with ceremonial parts of Native spirituality, things like the dreams you mentioned, the Sundance, singing and drumming, the dancing and sweat lodges. Mm -hmm. In a lot of Western religions, there's a holy day every seven days. Is there some type of a cycle of worship or observance in the Native American tradition?
0: Well, I think it goes seasonally again. Mm-hmm. and so like, Which s- is much more in touch with the earth. Oh, sure. Well, we've got fall coming up here. We just finished with our sun dances. Last weekend, Labor Day, was White Mesa's bear dance. nearly the last habit out of all of the Ute tribes. But normally we celebrate that in the spring, the first thunder. The bear gave us that dance uh, to help us celebrate that we survived the winter and to celebrate new life that's our new year is the spring and so we celebrate that with uh, the bear dance everything is all brand new you've got Mm. little baby animals and everything is all brand new so it's like turning a whole new page to a whole new year here in the fall when we go hunt we we also lay down some tobacco for a good hunt that will have some meat, carry us over the winter. Some of us, we try to get to the animal. I don't hunt anymore because when you do these spiritual things, you can't take life. But when I did, I would try to get to my deer or elk before that last breath. And he gives me that last breath. And so life continues within me, and I have a responsibility to that animal for giving up that life, to make sure all the other animals are taken care of, make sure the forest and everything is good for them because they sacrifice for us. Maybe you've already answered part of my next question, which is, what is
1: Western civilization missing out on by not being familiar with Native American spiritual practices and philosophy?
0: All they do is take and take and take and take they never give back anything big difference to the earth yes to the earth to each other if they can use you if they can take from you they'll take from you and give you nothing going back to people that think more like natives there are people that think like we do they take care of the earth they take care of each other Uh, love is colorless and it's what we give each other And we call that word bimchi, bimchi, love. And so that's between a a mother and a child. That's between Mother Earth. So like when we go into our sweats, it's our sweat, that smell that a mother knows which are babies, which of the animals are her babies. So when we go into the lodge, that sweat goes into our Mother Earth, and she recognizes us that way. And so we're connected that way. And when we pour water on those rocks, that steam, the healing comes through that steam and penetrates our body, and all of the poisons come out and the toxins. And when we sing in our ceremonies, we're all in unison in breath. So we sing. We all breathe the same time. Mm. We're singing all the same notes, and that's the way the Creator intended us to be. And that's the whole purpose of the song, in the same way with the drum, is a heartbeat. And it's a heartbeat of Mother Earth. It's a heartbeat of the people. And so you can't just pound it or hit it any way. You have to do it respectfully. And the same way when you make uh, that drum, you have to be of good mind to be able to make a, a beautiful drum, make it sound pretty. And sound has effect. A lot of people think of our songs all kinds of ways, like yelling or such, but we call those vocables. Mm -hmm. So there's no particular words. We do have songs with Ute words, and other tribes have particular words. But most of them are vocables. So if you can sing this note, Ha, ha, ha. It's like a telephone number. It's like uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Mm, communicating the, with yes, the pitches. Yes. Boop, 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 boo. So we're doing the same thing. But if you sing like the eagle song, it's like a telephone number. And you hit those frequencies, but you do it with sincerity when you're singing, and you make contact with that ego. You make contact with those spirits, and they hear that. Those spirits are all around us. They're just in a different dimension. Folks call it the veil. Well, we just understand that it is, it's right here. Just reach out. Hmm. Whoever you used to love in this life, they're still right here. Just reach out and talk to them. And sometimes you will feel them. It's like the movie Ghost, you can feel. Feel that energy That's what
1: you feel from them This really teaches me Larry That by knowing these things The people who know these things Are having a completely different experience From hearing the music and the drums And the dances Than uninitiated folks That would just kind of wander in and take a look
0: Right Like you get around that drum You can't help but feel the energy Feel that spirit And again spirit is just energy so when I do that, it's Fanning, energy, yeah. yeah, but you feel it. That's what spirit is, is that energy. These traditions
1: almost never have been written down. No, it's, it's passed down. So are they in danger of being lost? Is that why you made the films and why you do, or, or is it continuing these days? Are, are Native people pulling back a little to their Native ways? Well,
0: I think a lot of it had to do with when they tried to kill the Indian in us and sent us to boarding school and cut our hairs and ban the, the language. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so all you had were the traditionalists who were the ones that resisted. And so, like my Kutch family, were one of those. There are many other families that were that way, that they resisted. And so they're the ones who still maintain tradition today. So like our Sespuch family, we have part of the family that takes care of the bear dance. And of course, Sweat Lodge, I take care of one of those myself. It's not mine, it's Creator's Church. But I'm responsible to take care of it. I'm responsible to, it's like a being. You have to take care of it. You have to feed it. And the way you feed it is with ceremony and coming and singing and it's the Creator's house. When we go into our ceremonies, we go in to talk to God, not to talk about God in a book. Mm. That's a difference. It comes from here, it comes from your heart and your spirit, not from a book.
1: You talked about prayers. Mm-hmm. For you, is prayer asking for things, thanking for things, or is it just saying, "I know you're here, and I am part of
0: this"? All of the above. All of it. Yeah. So like the first thing I do when I get up is I have some cantations that I say and some things that I do, and then I use my sweet grass. Uh, Sweet grass we call hairs of Mother Earth. Everything again goes back and connects to our mother because that's where we came from. So I pray and I'm thankful for another day. That's a gift. I'm thankful for my health. I'm 68, but yet People think I'm 45, maybe less, and I can still run a couple of miles. I can do <laughs> a lot of things that 38-year-olds can't do. And so, you know, it's, it's really just a number. It's all right here in your mind and your heart and your spirit. Even though your body gets older, you feel it, but you can still do those things. And it's all right there. I seem to recall seeing a picture of you in a guitar oh, or sure. stuff like that. Yeah, I play music. Um, my songs are about buffaloes and mm. eagles, and, and I incorporate the language. There's one like um, about the eagle, and our word for that is guanuch. Talks about he's the one who flies closest to the creator, and he comes down and he blesses us when we need help, to be able to carry us through whatever we're going through. That's just another form of prayer. Same way with my prayer. Like I was saying, I use that sweet grass. All cultures have smoke, sacred smoke of some kind. That is my tools. It's like a doctor. Doctors have specialties and they have tools. Well, we're the same, but our tools are that eagle wing, maybe crystals, maybe cedar, maybe whatever. But those are our tools, and those are specific to what we do, those gifts that we were given. For like most churches, you have the cross and all of those things. But it's it's all kind of uniform, where ours is really individual. Mm-hmm. And so, again, it just goes back to what we've carried forward from past generations and those things still live so, within us
1: so would you say it's we often talk about our secular life and our spiritual life it mm-hmm. seems like they're the same thing just the oh, way sure. to live oh sure
0: well it's just like before i came in here i sat out in my truck and i smudged myself with a sweet grass help me to say what i am to say i'm here for a reason you brought me here for a reason. We may think we have control, but we're just pawns in this whole thing. (laughs) Help me. Use me. And that's what I say when I do these blessings and I'm asked to help somebody who is sick. Use me. I'm your conduit. Mm. And help me with whatever it is they need. And so I work with uh, cancer people and terminal people. For starters, I always ask for guidance and direction. For instance, I was asked to work on bart the bear do you remember him he was gentle ben on tv oh. <laughs> uh, he yes. was the bear uh-huh. uh, that was doug seuss's bear bart he had cancer on his forearm and they hadn't given him but um a month to live and so through friends they contacted me if i could come out and help him and i'm going to bear. i work on horses i work on other animals because it's all the same mm-hmm. So I'm going, a bear, wow. And so I'm thinking, well, what am I going to do? And so I asked for help, and I had a dream, and in the dream I seen my hands, and there was something in each hand, but it didn't tell me anything past that. And so as I'm driving, I'm saying, well, to go to take care of Bart, I'm thinking, well, it's just like a person, and I'll do it that same way. So when I got to Doug's place, the Seuss's, Doug says, I don't know how responsive he's going to be because they got him doped up on Benadryl. But I do this uh, whistle with animals. <whistles> so it's got a little bit of tremolo in it. And I did that twice. And there was this rumble in his dent. And all of a sudden, this big head pokes out. And I see him, and I'm going, oh, crap, what did I get myself into? <laughs> and all of this blue sky disappears, cause here comes Bart. And he sits down right in front of me, he's in his cage, but he sits right in front of me on his on his butt, and I'm going, he knows why I'm here. And I'm talking to him, and I'm saying, Naga Aipaj, I'm just a young man compared to you. But they've asked me to come and help you, and so I'm gonna help you the way I understand but it's not me, I'm only a man, I'm only a little boy, compared to you. And so I bring up the eagle wing, and he puts his head up against the bores of the cage, and I touch him with that eagle wing, and I'm gone. he knows why I'm here. And I come down one side of him, and I go to the other side of him, and just before I get to touch him in the cage, out comes this big tongue that's about this long, and it touches the tip of that ego wing. And we all go, wow. Tears start coming. So I'm coming down his body, and I can see the pain in his eyes. And I start to cry, and then he's got his hands like this. And I can see where the cancer is. It looks like a big patch of white, like Alka-Seltzer, kind of was foamy. And I started to cry because I knew what kind of pain he was dealing with. And the last thing we do is we bless the spirit. So I did that. And and just like on cue, he turns around, goes back into his den, and we all go, wow. Of course, all of Doug's family are there, and uh, his daughter, Sasha, she was filming it. So she's put together a film about Bart that has that in it. And Doug says, uh, stay right here, I'll be right back. And he goes in the house and he says, stick out your hands. And he said, this is Bart's fur with the cancer, and this is Bart's fur that's healthy. And so when we do ceremonies, we have a fire going. And so I took the cancerous fur and stuck it in the fire, and I prayed, give it to you, creator. You take care of it. And the healthy fur I have in my medicine pouch... And his trainer came and he said, grizzlies seldom lose a claw, but Bart lost one this morning, and I feel you should have it. So it's a big claw like Mm, this. Four or
1: five inches long. Exactly.
0: So that's in my medicine bundle. And so when I go and deal with things, sometimes they're not good. Bart's behind me and all of those others that I've taken care of. That's my army behind me. And so I'm not afraid. They will take care of whatever's there so i feel very blessed to be able to uh, play that role be that conduit be that servant listening to the others who've been your guest i think we all realize that to whatever degree or however we look at it we're servants it's like when i received my first pipe when you think of the sacred pipe and of course that's um, pipestone and there's only one place you can get it it's in pipestone minnesota But that pipe stone is the blood and bones of our native people. When I received my first pipe, I'm thinking, oh man, what a legacy. I'm responsible for all my people. And you can get overwhelmed, and I was. And again, I was visited to a dream and was told, you're not the only one. There are many of you. All we ask you to do is take care of what's in front of you, what we put in front of you. So just like when I'm asked to do something, I can't say no. I say, yes, I'll do the best I can. But it's not me. It's grandfather mm. who does it. Have you found, like
1: your grandmother who sort of picked you out and knew there was something for you, have you found people to mentor, people to pass your knowledge on to?
0: Well, that's a sad part because there are those of us that take care of lodges and such. There, there are many lodges within, within our tribe at home. And that's good. But we were brought up a certain way. You have to go up on the mountain to be able to use your pipe. You have to sacrifice. Hmm. Where other people just go and buy theirs. All of a sudden they're instant medicine man or instant spiritual leader. When we've had to spend over half my life doing this pain for Not necessarily the right, but some people look at it that way. Well, he gave it to me, so I have the right to do this. No, there's only one person who will give you that right. And you have to go sacrifice for that. It don't come easy. It don't come in the form of frog skins, dollar bills. (laughs) It's your blood and sweat. And you'd have to sacrifice. And that's the way it comes. It's like anything. You have to... Sacrifice to receive that diploma, that degree, Um, you have to sacrifice to get those things. Our language is very powerful. I was working on a film one time, and um, I was interviewing one of our tribal judges, and he was talking about language. Nuopaga is what we call it, talking Indian, Nuopaga. Nū is the Indian, and Apaga is talking. And he said how our language is very powerful. He was uh, in World War II, and he was in the Navy, and he was below deck. All of a sudden, they got hit by a torpedo. And all he remembers was flying through the air, and all he could say was, Bwotke, Bwotke means help me. And when he came to, he was floating on one of the boards, the only thing that was floatable. That's the way he made it. Just that word, buetke, can help you through anything. So like when I have to go through something that's, well, like this interview, I say, buetke, help me. Say the words, whatever is meant to touch somebody out there. Touch you. That's the power of word, rather, it's yut. Yut is more powerful when you're talking about ceremonies and such, but word is powerful when you convey that, you can communicate that with somebody, you touch them, spirit to spirit, just like when you hug. That's power. That's the power of the spirit. Well, you have touched me. This is very
1: meaningful to me, and I'm, I'm so grateful to you that you would come in. Larry Sespoch, thank you so much for speaking with me today in good faith.
0: Uh-huh. Thank
1: you. Thanks for tuning in to In Good Faith. That's our time for today. Thank you to our guest, youth Spiritual Leader Larry Sespuch, for generously sharing his stories and his faith. In Good Faith is committed to the idea that we all benefit from hearing people of widely varying backgrounds share their personal experience with faith and belief. In fact, we think people with such experience deserve some of our best listening. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at ingoodfaith@byu.edu. at byu.edu. Our Twitter is at ingoodfaithbyu. In Good Faith is a production of BYU Radio. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. I hope you'll join me again soon, right here, in Good Faith.